Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Today we're going to talk about some special kind of pedestrian signals. These special signals are called Accessible Pedestrian Signals, or APS for short. What are Accessible Pedestrian Signals? They're the devices that communicate information about the don't walk and walk intervals in non-visual formats at signalized intersections for blind and visually impaired pedestrians. Polera is one company that is the leading supplier of APS. Joining us to talk about APS and how they can help us safely and efficiently cross streets is John McGaffey. The Orange County Register says that John is Polaris president. Welcome to the show, John. Hi, Brian. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Glad you're here, too. Before we talk about accessible pedestrian signals, what do you do as Polaris president? Well, uh, I mean, I oversee all aspects of a company of about 60 or 65 employees. Uh, that design and manufacture uh, a number of different products, but the uh, primary product is ADA-style pedestrian push buttons and accessible signals, or as you refer to them as APSs, uh, as you mentioned. Just what are accessible pedestrian signals anyway? Well, um, <clears throat> accessible pedestrian signals have developed over many years and often People recognize them uh, by the old cuckoo and chirp uh, devices that used to be, or speakers that used to be mounted on pet heads. And that, that design was actually uh, started in Japan and uh, got adopted kind of throughout the world. And then over a period of time, other countries have modified and created different types. But the, the, the gist of it is that it's a device at an intersection designed to, to provide uh, visually impaired pedestrians clear information on when a walk sign is on and and theoretically we don't say safe to cross because you can never guarantee a car won't you know won't stop uh, but uh, uh, intent is to make sure that the walk signal is on so they don't venture out during a don't walk i remember the old crosswalk signals from when i was little going to the oakland airport oakland international airport in california to fly out of town and um, I can remember crossing the street towards the main entrance, and you would hear those loud chirp, chirp, chirp. Now, you don't hear those as much anymore with the new accessible pedestrian signals, correct? Yes, the, the chirp and cuckoo has actually been uh, uh, non-recommended or suggested to go away. They've done a number of studies uh, on blind uh, pedestrians crossing the streets, and part part of the reason they went away was in Canada, I was told there's certain birds that can almost perfectly mimic uh, the chirp sound. And so people were actually walking into the, uh, you know, crosswalk uh, during the don't walk because the birds were sounding instead of the accessible signal. We're talking about so, the don't walk. We're talking sorry, about the ahead. don't walk and walk intervals in non-visual formats that the new APSs use, use, to broadcast to the blind pedestrians at the signalized intersections. What sort of non-visual formats are the walk and don't walk information communicated in? 
Well, um, if I could, I'll just correlate uh, what, a, what a visually, uh, what a sighted person sees uh, to know how to cross the street compared to what an APS provides. Um, when a sighted person is walking towards a, an intersection, they'll see uh, the, the button on the pole, and there's a sign usually above the button indicating which crosswalk that button services. Um, and then they're able to see the street name uh, for the streets and uh, see the crosswalk and so on. A visually impaired person doesn't have any of that uh, uh, information. So an APS uh, is required to emit a low beep sound 24 uh, 7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so that when a visually impaired pedestrian gets close to an intersection, they should begin to hear a beeping sound, and that beeping sound is designed to direct them to where the push button is located. And the uh, uh, access board in, in uh, Washington, D.C. has made recommendations, and one of the recommendations is that the uh, locate tone ideally should only be heard between 6 to 12 feet from the pole. Now, it's impossible to control sounds that you know accurately, but basically, if you're hearing a locate tone you know, 50 to 100 feet down the road, then that locate tone is too loud. It's going to disturb the surrounding public. But when you get within, say, 15 to, to, to 10 feet of a pole, you should be able to hear the locate tone to help direct you to the button. Once you find the button, um, you can then uh, put your arm across the face of the, of the sign, and that will tell you the direction of travel. Plus, there's a raised tactile arrow on the button pointing in the direction of travel. Um, if the city pays a little extra for uh, programming of the button, it can be programmed to include the street name uh, of that intersection. So it would say, wait to cross Grand at Central, uh, typically with an extended push of at least a second or longer. And then when the walk light goes on, the button will vibrate so a, a blind pedestrian can have 100% assurance that the walk is on by the tactile uh, feel of vibration on the button. Plus, there is typically an audible message, and there, the standard has changed from cuckoo and chirp to what we call a rapid tick. Uh, and a rapid tick is recommended if the poles are uh, at least 10 feet apart between buttons so that a person doesn't have any trouble uh, deciphering exactly which APS is sounding. But a lot of cities prefer to go with audible voice messages because it's just more clear. And with a voice message, it will typically say, you know, grand, walk sign is on to cross grand. That way, the person knows exactly which walk sign is on uh, and uh, if, if it's the street they're wanting to cross. Now, I've used the accessible pedestrian signals in the downtown areas of Livermore and Chico, California. And they tell me when and which streets to cross. Sometimes there's chirping rather than verbal commands. How do the accessible pedestrian signals prove to provide benefit for pedestrians of all ages? Well, um, many years ago, uh, there was a traffic engineer who was skeptical about installing these devices, but he went ahead and installed one on an uh, intersection near a school. And uh, after the first day that it was installed, he went out and he just observed how people... Uh, used it and he said he was extremely surprised to see that uh, it not only was beneficial to the visually impaired but it caused even sighted people uh, 
to uh, immediately know that the walk was on and to get started. And oftentimes, sighted people will push the button and they'll stand there looking around and not pay any attention to the pet head light. The walk light will turn on, but because there's no audible information, uh, the walk light could be on for a number of seconds and they not realize it. And then finally, they see it and they start to cross, but they could start even in the don't walk or the clearance phase. So with an uh, accessible signal, because it gives an instantaneous audible uh, indication of the walk light turning on, uh, even sighted people start and get across the street in a much more effective and timely manner because it just provides better information for everybody, especially children. Um, we, we tell uh, people to train children to put their hand on the button and to not move until they feel it vibrate. And that way they don't dart out into the street. Uh, they, they have 100% confirmation through the vibrating button that it's their turn to walk. That's a good rule of thumb because we're hearing so many people on the news just get killed by uncom- uh, oncoming cars that just hit them and even in hit and runs. And it's really not good. But I, I think that's a good rule of thumb to have for anyone. Okay, who wants to cross the street? Keep the hands on that button until it vibrates. When you really hear it, walk, walk. Yep, that's the best rule to follow. So the APS alerts both kids and adults to the moment when the walk sign turns on, along with the walk cycle status. I understand that there are certain requirements, though, in the special manual called the Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices. First, what is that manual? Uh, well, that's a that's a national uh, guide to all cities and municipalities or departments of transportation on what the government says is uh, approved and acceptable uh, solutions to traffic and pedestrian uh, issues. So, for example, uh, you know, if, if a new intersection is put in, then a pedestrian signal head must be installed. Um, and and it basically what it does is it uh, provides guidance to cities and municipalities, but it also provides liability protection because everything in the MUTCD or Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices has been studied and proven and approved by uh, government and city officials to be the best approach. I was going to say, you know, there used to not be anything in the manual on uniform traffic control devices about APSs or accessible pedestrian signals uh, prior to about the year 2000, or actually 20, I'm going to say probably around 20, uh, 2008. But since then, they've been starting to put in uh, requirements for accessible pedestrian signals. And today, the law is actually that all new intersections are supposed to have APS installed. Uh, unfortunately, a number of cities are dragging their feet uh, because they don't want to incur the expense, but it's definitely the most uh, beneficial uh, thing that can be put on an intersection for all pedestrians today. Where are some of the nearest cities that we can find Polaris APS in? Well, that's really hard for me to answer because, I mean, we there's hundreds of, hundreds of cities throughout the U, uh, United States and Canada uh, that we sell to and we sell to distributors. So we, we don't necessarily know every intersection that they go on, but all pretty much every major city in the country has APSs installed in certain places, but the best, best, uh, locations are typically around hospitals, 
uh, civic centers, libraries, especially around uh, blind uh, institutes and and facilities that are designed to uh, provide uh, benefits to the blind or, or resources. Um, and so typically you'll find them in major public areas and downtowns because that's where you have the most pedestrians. Now back to the noises, the locate tones. Um, what happens if people living near the signals post a noise complaint? What are the next steps that have to be taken? Well, if, if an APS is adjusted properly, then there should be uh, no sound pollution uh, that would bother people unless there are occasional situations where you have, you know, fairly high rise or at least, you know, four or five uh, story buildings really, really close to intersections. And then sometimes the sound will bounce off those uh, buildings and, and, and people would be able to hear them. But the way to address that is, is that uh, all APSs that Polaris sales have uh, what we call a calendar function in them or a, an ability to turn volumes down uh, during certain periods of the day. So, for example, if from 11 o'clock at night to 6 in the morning, uh, a city was getting complaints and they wanted to, to quiet the units, they wouldn't turn off. It's against the law to, to make them 100% silent, but you can turn the volumes down significantly so that they aren't bothering people who live near an intersection. And so uh, there's definitely many ways to address it, but the, the uh, calendar function is what we recommend for ensuring that, like in the middle of the night when people would not typically be at an intersection, the, the sounds can be turned down by, say, 50% or 60% to ensure they don't bother anybody. Not too loud and not too soft. Correct. So the button on the accessible pedestrian signals have a raised tactile arrow that points in the crosswalk's direction. How does that arrow help the blind orient themselves in the crosswalk's direction? Well, um, as I say, it, it, if the installers install the units correctly, then that arrow should point uh, directly across the street where the opposing button would be or the uh, end of the crosswalk would be so that the uh, blind pedestrian would be able to uh, orient themselves in relation to the direction that arrow is pointing. But what we, what we recommend is once they find the direction the arrow is pointing to then stand in front of the button and put their forearm on the button with their hand, you know, protruding out straight. And that gives them an even greater surface to uh, orient themselves correctly into the, in the direction of where they're supposed to, to walk. But every time that button is pressed, don't the pedestrians hear a special word? Uh, yes, the uh, MUTCD requires that on every push of the button, they should hear the word wait. And uh, so every push will give you the word wait. Um, the APS can also be programmed to provide wait uh, repeated every four, six, or eight seconds. So for example, if the button is a little bit away from the start of the crosswalk to where they can't stand with their hand on it, but they wanna know for sure that it's still not in walk, it can be programmed to say wait every four seconds. So they push the button, they go then orient themselves at the start of the crosswalk. They'll hear the word wait until the walk comes on and then they'll hear you know, grand, walk sign is on the cross grand and they'll know that it's no longer time to wait, but time to go. 
wait, wait, wait. I do love that word. This word <laughs> does help the blind wait until they get the signal to cross that street. And right. some of the other sounds, the walk sign on the street name. How do those uh, street names get recorded into the system? Well, uh, Polera offers free recording of messages to our customers that order the product. Um, as long as they uh, install the messages at the time that they install the units on the street. So it doesn't cost the city any more to get audible messages. Uh, so, uh, you know, blind pedestrians should request that audible messages be included in the units uh, when they request installation of them. Um, in addition, though, um, I was going to say, there's other features that can really help a blind pedestrian uh, get adequate sound. And one is, is what we call an extended push priority uh, or an extended push uh, where the pro uh, unit can be programmed to play the sounds louder for the walk cycle following an extended push. So in other words, if a, if a um, sighted pedestrian came up and pushed the button just very momentarily or briefly, they would hear the walk sound, and it would be at a, a, a volume loud enough to hear, but not really loud. Um, and But yet if a blind person or somebody who was a little hard of hearing needed it to be louder, they can push and hold it for one second, and afterwards it would then play the walk and clearance messages louder than normal just for the next walk cycle, which would then provide them uh, greater sound for directionality, guidance, and so forth. Um, another unique feature of our product is what we call uh, uh, extended push priority where it can be programmed so that only their crosswalk provides any sound and all the other crosswalks on the intersection go silent so that there's no chance that an, an opposing crosswalk across the street could give them the wrong direction. And so let me give you an example where that could be a big deal. Um, if it's an intersection has left turn lanes for cars and a car pulls into the left turn lane, then that's going to cause the walk signal to not trigger for that crosswalk the car is going to pass over. But the parallel crosswalk, uh, if, if a car doesn't turn into the left turn lane and there's a blind pedestrian over there waiting to cross and they push the button, they will get a walk signal at the same time that that car is turning um, but yet it's not of a concern to them. But if the uh, accessible signals are uh, set too loud to where the blind person hears the walk message uh, from across the street and they're the ones on the crosswalk with the car turning, then they could think, oh, that's my turn to walk and start to go. And that car would then cross right across in front of them uh, or across their crosswalk. So my point being is the extended push priority would ensure that that could not happen because it would only provide sound on their crosswalk following an extended push um, for that one time that they use it. Just only that sound. Wow. What are some testimonials that you've received from the blind who've used the accessible pedestrian signals? Well, um, I'll share you one. Just recently, my family and I were on vacation in uh, Orlando, Florida, at Disneyland, and there was a, a visually impaired gentleman standing waiting for a bus. 
And I just went up to him and I asked him if he was familiar with APSs. And he said, oh, yes, I, I, I love those. And I'm extremely appreciative of what you do. And um, and we chatted and so forth. And, and uh, I actually, uh, well, before I go on, on to that subject, I do want to say people should go to our website. It's polara.com. That's P-O-L-A-R-A.com. And on the website is a, a little button that says, what is an APS? And if they click on that, there are two videos of people giving testimonials, uh, uh, I think, in New York. And uh, I think they're both maybe in New York, but one might be in San Francisco and the other in New York. And then we also have a video that was done for the Extreme Home Makeover show that used to be on TV where they installed the system for a, a visually impaired family. Both the husband and wife were visually impaired, and they put them in at the intersection near their home and they provide a, a glowing testimonial of just how effective they are. All right. If any of our listeners who are disability advocates and city officials who want to install pedestri- accessible pedestrian signals in their town, if they want these signals installed in their city, what should they do? Um, on our website, we have uh, some uh sample letters and, and instructions on how to go about requesting an APS. So they should go to polara.com and download those, those documents that will give them the help and guidance in knowing how to request them. And it tells them, you know, uh, you know, what kind of uh, things to specify. Um, so that would be the best way, or they can call, call us, uh, call Polara Enterprises and uh, um, request that same information. We can send it to them. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I would like to say we are working on a a pedestrian app for phones that would allow a a visually impaired person to get information before they even reach the intersection. That that was the one thing that the gentleman in uh, Florida said to me. I I asked him if there was one thing that we could provide that would really help you, what would it be? And he said, well, if, if, if there was a way through my phone, I could tell what direction I was facing so I could help understand what crosswalk I would be crossing. Because a lot of times the APS does not have the additional information provided during an extended push. So um, we are working on an app that would provide them the street names and the direction they're facing and would even allow them to push the button through the phone if they wanted to. Um, And uh, if they want information from the phone during the crossing, we would be able to provide that. Uh, It's, it's probably going to be released sometime around mid-year, uh, at least the initial uh, phase of that app. But we are working on all other things. that, uh, uh, And we'd be interested in hearing from any of your vision impaired listeners as to uh, what would be most beneficial to them so that we make sure that we include that, those features. John, you're an inspiration to us all. We hope that our listeners will use accessible pedestrian signals and cross the streets with ease in their hometowns. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org. My show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash uh dash blind. 
please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Have you heard? There's a new show on ACB Radio Interactive. This is Jason Castanguay inviting you to join me on Artfelt. I will be bringing music to you that stands out, pieces that fill the heart and rouse the body, from symphonies that ring to songs that swing to harmonies that zing. I can make my most fantastic And everything in between. My goal is to take you on a musical safari, leaving you with the satisfaction of a journey well spent. So tune in to ACB Radio Interactive for Artfelt every Tuesday evening from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern. For this is where music echoes the thoughts of the soul. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. ACB.